Really? I did not realize that. That was great, too. Yeah, and he does sing it. It's on one of his albums. So I think we're going to have a really good time with him, and he sounds like a delightful person. So I'm going to send you Paladin, the theme from TV, and I need to send you some shows. What would you like? I'd like to uh, some homes in Andy, actually. Say that again. Uh, I'd love to have some Amos and Andy. Oh, Amos and Andy, sure. And you will be pleased. And Andy, uh, I just downloaded a new set with better sound quality of Amos and Andy, so you'll be getting some good stuff. I've got some that I've recorded on tape years and years and years ago, probably 20-some years ago or more. But well, surely those shows are, some of them are in this collection, but I think the collection sound quality will probably be a little bit better overall than, than what you've heard in other sources. It seems to be better than the set that I had in the computer. I just dumped what I had and, and uh, gathered the rest of them. So I think it'll be good. Yes, very good. Are you awake yet? No, but I'm here. <laughs> Should I make the coffee? I got a pot on right at the moment, but I hadn't got that far yet. <laughs> it's on. You have to make your way to the, to the coffee pot. Well, oh, yeah. if you don't wake up, um, we're going to feed you this whorehound stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that'll wake you up. I'm, I'm just so impressed that you knew what it was or what it is and that it's available for sale. Where do you buy it? Like in a drugstore? Uh, well, right here, it used to could buy about it. We had a, a small store, too, and just a little bit of this and that and everything. Uh-huh. Not much left of that anymore, but uh, we sold it. Um, I guess general stores, convenience stores, and I had it all the time around here. Um, drug stores would have it. Um, I still kind of think you could find it down there in a the drug store, but... You ought to try it at least once. It's not going to do you any harm. Probably won't do you any good either, but it's not going to do you any harm. <laughs> I, I really do. I like tasting new things. So you I'm, really ought to try that. Uh, you know, you might like it. I just never did. Well, I will find some. I'm, I'll check. I have to go to the pharmacy tomorrow, so I'll check around in there and see, like, in the cough drop section or, or someplace like that. And it might be a specialty. Cough drops with it in it. Um, but, you know, they had it that it wasn't a cough drop. It was just candy, so to speak. Really candy candy. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a hard candy type stuff. Uh-huh. But, I, you know, I didn't consider it candy myself. <laughs> I, it, That's what it was. I wasn't terribly impressed by the recipe. Well... No, but a lot of recipes you probably wouldn't if you knew what was in them. That's true. But it's just corn syrup, sugar, and this whorehound mixture or, or substance that's made like tea. You boil the water and stick well, it in there. So. But when you get it into candy, it's a hard candy. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it's not a tea at that point. Although, um, and I've never had whorehound tea, but people didn't make it. I, I just never had any of it. If, I didn't really want any of it either. I was just 
just going to say, if you're not warm to the candy and that's even sweetened uh, for you, uh, you wouldn't do well with a pot of tea from this stuff. Uh, Ick. You uh, should okay. be able to find it. You, you really ought to try it at least one just to say you had. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a report on uh, what it tastes like. I'll find it. It, it surely has to be around here. Um, sure it is. I'll, I'll, I might be up in New York, but I'm sure you'll find it down here someplace. And when you find it, you can send water and a sample to you. It's a weird and unpleasant name. I would have thought I'd recognize it, at least the name, that I would have seen it. That It's eye-catching with a name like that. I can't really understand why you got high road you are and had never heard of it, but... <laughs> I don't know how prevalent, prevalent, I can't even talk, it is up north, but it's it's been quite common down here. I haven't looked for it here quite a while, but yeah. it seems like every once in a while I still hear about it, so I'm sure it's still there. Well, we'll, we'll check with Bill at the station, because he's in Texas, and he grew up in small town Texas. So he probably knows what it is, too. I'm feeling kind of left out here that I don't know what it is or what it tastes like. I know what it is now, but I had never heard of it. I'm deprived. we probably got a lot of things down here you never heard of. <laughs> I think so. I think you're probably right. Uh, different parts of the country have some wonderful things that we just don't get in other parts. I guess this is one of them. It's some, this Sorry. might be wonderful, but it's something I have to taste. So I will do that. Cross my heart. Um, and that email I sent you about the Bluetooth thing, I don't know how good that is. I satisfied what I bought from them a while back, and I'm going to try one of these things. But like I said in the email, I use a modified um, FM transmitter that gets all over the house and just use a rubber headset radio to do this. I've done it for years. This would probably be a much better choice for you than this Bluetooth thing and uh, I had it was a lot cheaper. But I can't vouch for it because I haven't tried it, but it just happened to come in an advertisement, an email, and I decided maybe you ought to look at it. I really appreciate your forwarding it, and thank you for the reminder because I didn't get back to the site. I've got your email set aside, and I didn't, um, I just didn't follow through. I forgot it was there. So thank you for the reminder, and I'll take a look at it. Um, anything that will help me get noise in my ears without making me sit in front of a computer to do it would be terrific. That, that was so, I mean, I couldn't because when I'm working right here in the morning trying to get going and all that stuff, I can't. I don't have time to sit down at night when I get in. I don't feel like it, and huh? never seem to have time to shop either. So um, I, I was really wanting to do that year, and it took me a while to ever get going what I had here. But it's worked out great, and uh, you'll like it too, Bill. Do that because you're going about your business. Sounds like what I need. I I really I feel like I'm cheating. Like I'm having a good time and I should be doing something else when I'm sitting here listening to a show. And reality is I could be doing something else except that I can't hear it in other parts of the apartment. Walden will, will appreciate the fact that we can read while we work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make, it makes it nice. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
I trust you have got one of the new digital players. I do not. I, I've been reading about it, but I, I have I do not have one of the new ones yet. I finally got one a few months ago, and believe me, they got their act together this time. Oh, that's good. I tell you, they they have thought about thought it, you know, figured out just about everything. It's the most well-made, useful thing they have ever come up with. Biggest job is now they got to start to transferring all that material into this format. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of years, and a lot of people had the decision that, you know, you would send the um, cartridge back in, and they would just wipe it and right. reload it. But that's not going to happen because they have labels on them, you know, right. the labels, and that is not going to happen. <laughs> but, um, and, I, you know, I don't really care. It doesn't right. matter, but they have their act together this time. That's good. That's good. Be sure and get the advanced version, though, okay. if you can. We had a choice here. I don't guess there's a whole lot of people asking for that one. Okay. Just get a few extra features, but, but be sure and ask for that. Okay. Um, they finally, they told me they didn't have a list of the North Carolina library, but when you call back later and ask to be put on a list, to come find out they did have a list. <laughs> so you might try that. Um, sure. Get on a list for those, and the advanced ones were easier to get than the regulars. Sure, that's good. So you might try to get you on a list for that because right. they're something else. I appreciate the heads up. Anyway, I'll quit wasting time here. But uh, I just uh, wanted to talk back about the Orion Candy. Appreciate <laughs> the Amos and Andy thing. You, you will have Amos and Andy. I will email, if it's okay with you, I'll email the Have Gun Will Travel theme. Yes, 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 by all means. Okay. Appreciate And I'll drop your CD in the mail this week. Okay, and uh, keep me in mind when you do have that interview. Uh, sure, we will. I don't know if I'll be able to hear it or not at the time, but uh, I would sure love to. Well, I think it's going to be great, and we'll figure out, or Walden is the figure-outer on something like this, how to uh, get it to you if you somehow miss it, mm -hmm. <laughs> like living normal hours. How <laughs> to do this. Yeah, we're not exactly normal hours here, so. Okay, I'm so glad you called. Thank you. Good enough. See you all later. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he goes. Paladin and Amos and Andy. What a combo. Good combo. Oh, gosh. Even yeah, you had not heard that ballad before. Mm-mm. Nope. I, I never saw one episode of a TV show. Had, and, and you didn't hear. It was Richard Boone who did the TV show. That's what I understand, yeah. It's um, when Johnny Western replied to my email. Mm -hmm. He said that it is playing twice a day, the Paladin, the Have Gun Will Travel on television, right. is playing twice a day on a channel called Encore. I don't have the higher numbers on the cable, because I stick with pretty basic programming. Sure. I'm, I'm very simple needs. I'm not a click, click, click person. Um, so I've never seen it, and I don't have that station, but Encore, I believe it's channel 163 on Comcast, okay. which is all over the country. But it's there, and you can see Richard Boone, and you can hear the theme every time it comes on. That's pretty nice. 
Yeah, it is. It's Pretty a great nice. song. And yeah. His voice is just... Uh, I, it blew me away when I heard it in my ears. Bob Bro has such a fine copy. He's really an aficionado when it comes to to sounds. I'm a listener. He's a he's a purist. So it really is a wonderful copy. But if, if anybody of Sim Patricia high quality sound, she won't turn it down. <laughs> she won't turn it down. <laughs> and I'm not offended at all by things that that wouldn't make it past the experts as long as I can hear it and appreciate it. But I'm learning to appreciate more and more the uh, higher quality of the shows. It's nice. Yeah. And, oh, gosh. And, and you really can tell a difference. Yeah. But um, m my interest is in having fun and enjoying the show. And as well, long as I can hear it without struggling, I'm cool. And I think most of us who, who get started in the hobby are that way. Um, Eventually, uh, you appreciate trying to get the best quality because it's just, it's just fun to have it that way. Uh-huh. You know? And I'm still a new little brat. I know. But <laughs> I'm going to take care of you, Patricia. You're going to have good stuff, thanks. Oh, Patricia. my goodness. The good stuff. Yeah. Gee whiz. I uh, I, I'm like a kid cut loose in a toy store. Oh, I'll have ten of them. Oh, I'll have three of them. Oh, good, send that. And, I'll and I love having them. It's really wonderful to have a selection to choose from, that I don't have a folder of a single show that I can kind of hop around depending on where my brain is for the day. Well, because there's storage space with me, I just, I had to pick and choose. Mm -hmm. But now today's format, that's not as definitely a problem. No, and yeah. you're expanding into new territory, mm -hmm. so you're going to really explode in your collection capability. That's true. Yeah. That's Be a happy camper. Uh-huh. Neat thing to be able to share with people, and that's what I like to do. That's fun. Sharing is such a fun part mm -hmm. of this hobby. It, it's just, it makes it the best. It does. It's fun, and then it's funner. Oh, yeah. Especially when you can sit there and recommend and say, hey, listen to this show. Uh-huh. You know, when we were discussing Great Grocery here a little while ago, mm -hmm. I got thinking, there's old-time radio talk, talking about a show, about the concept of a show that I've heard over 60 years ago, and we're still debating on the same issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they are timeless issues. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with the date on the show. It is a show with issues and opinions mm -hmm. and presentations that are current. We would be saying the same thing about shows today. That's true. I think. We have a lot higher quality, in my humble opinion. I find it painful to look at some of the comedies that are... Well, I think we're spoiled to what we have in our past, and we get to enjoy that. And a lot of stuff that's produced today just don't reach to that standard. It just doesn't. It's it's like the louder, the the sour. Uh, it 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 doesn't entertain me. It it makes me wince sometimes. I just oh ouch. Ooh. Well, also think of it, because I haven't really watched any comedy per se on television in years. You know, uh, huh? prime time. Um, just think about what we used to, what we enjoyed a lot of it is 
almost on a higher plane. It doesn't go through the uh, gutter uh, parts of our funny oh. book. No, there is, there is, gutter is a great mm-hmm. word. I, mean, I I heard a couple of words on a show in prime time the other day that made me go, whoa, mm-hmm. did I hear that right? I, it's just incredible that we have come so far in the wrong direction, yeah. in my opinion, that entertainment relies on loud, on language mm-hmm. that would be inappropriate in a bar, for heaven's sakes. And they're passing it off as comedy and, and entertainment. It's just it's disturbing to me. A lot of people enjoy it. Many are saying it's reality. It, it's, it's real. We're, mm-hmm. We don't have gangsters talking about putting flowers in a vase. But at the same time, we have reality with radio shows. Well... You know, their reality, somebody's reality is not my reality. My reality is not theirs, too. Uh-huh. Oh, and I was teaching writing. <laughs> they put me up as a um, creative writing instructor. And to my dying day, I will say you cannot teach writing. You can teach techniques and ways to use them in different combinations, but you can't teach writing. Nonetheless, um, when... When I was teaching writing, one of the strongest points of good fiction is that the dialogue be real. That is actually what two people would say to each other. It's not stilted. It's not scripted. It's not um, like Fred Allen reading from a piece of paper and it's out of character and he doesn't deliver it the way he would if he were allowed to just speak off the cuff. It needs to flow. It needs a flow. Mm-hmm. It needs to be real. If somebody wants to say, I'm, I'm really upset about this, they don't sit down and say, hmm, maybe we need to talk about that. It has to be real. But there's a limit. There's a limit when it gets gratuitous, when you throw in some words just to grab somebody's attention. If you need those kinds of words to grab attention, and that's the exclusive function, Something's wrong with the writing. It it, it allows the writer to have a gimmick rather than trying to shoot for his best quality work possible. Perfectly said. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely perfect. Walden is perfect. So, Patricia. We have five more minutes. And then the party's over? And I still have questions about Kramer's Drugstore. What was Fibber's reply to the man who wanted birdseed because he was raising canaries? <coughs> Excuse me. The old timer stopped by and wanted hard candy that was noisy when you chewed it. Why did he want hard candy that was noisy? And the final question, what did Fibber have to do? How did he negotiate the raise for Ed at the drugstore? He negotiated with Kramer and reached an agreement. Fibber would do something, and Kramer would give Ed a $10 a week raise. 714-545-2071. And if you have a superstition that your family (laughs) foisted on you or talked about, we'd love to hear that, too. We're down to the end of the show, folks. I know. 
almost time for the princess to go to bed. Is the party over? I think it is. I think the party's I love that song. It's a great song. It is wistful. It is. It is wistful. It's an appropriate song. So, I'm going to say goodnight. Well, you can talk for a bit while we look for the song. And I, can, I can keep talking. Well, don't forget about the auction the last Sunday, November. Eyes open for some items that you might like to donate. And um, the website, yesterdayusa.com, for some information about last year's auction to give you a little bit of a guide on how you might be able to help us this year. And you can always email Patricia during the week. Her house is open to you via the email box. Writer at hotmail.com. Writer F-L-O-R-I-D-A, the state. Writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, L.com. I am here. Would love to hear from you. We say good night. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Good night, everybody. Have a wonderful week. And we love all you, and we'll see you next Saturday, everybody. The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end
friendship fight Not as exciting as holding you tight Nothing that I do ignites me And starry skies for the eyes Don't have the sparkle I see in your eyes Don't know what to say Don't mean to be blasé But darling, it's true
Yesterday, USA, Patricia. Well, this is a repeat. It's Ralph again. Hello, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, belaboring that uh, Ovaltine question. It must have been Little Orphan Annie. It was Little Orphan Annie. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking about it, and I I hate to miss one. I know. It, dri- it drives us nuts, doesn't it, Ralph, when you <laughs> miss it, one? It bothers me to no end. <laughs> Too funny. Yes, it was Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, you were just talking about the blizzard where everyone was snowed in at Kennedy. Uh-huh. I was snowed in at Kennedy. To work? For the, I worked. For the storm that, oh, that's right, you were out with the airline. Yeah, uh, with Pan Am, and we had a great time because uh, we were attached to the commissary department, and we had plenty to eat, uh, plus we <laughs> supplied all of the... Uh, liquor for the whole airline system yeah and we had all we wanted to drink too <laughs> and we were on the clock for four days oh my gosh four four sets of 24 hours yeah 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 what, what a beautiful paycheck oh <laughs> and all you can eat and all you can drink you were the only ones who were taken care of in the whole airport yeah we, we uh we really had it made and uh, a lot of guys went out and bought new cars right after that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one for you. You know, uh, 
after your regular eight-hour shift, you got four hours of time and a half, and everything after that was double time. Wowzers. So we got we got one huge paycheck. You could have retired on that for a year. So what did uh, he, I should have I should have handled my money more wisely. What did you do? Did, what did you lay down and take a nap as you were stranded at the airport? Yeah, we did. We also down. supplied all the linen for the airline system. We had pillows and blankets, and it was wonderful. You were you were camping out indoors. We actually uh, we were in the hangar, and uh, it was great. Well, it's okay. It's safe to say that today. It would not have been safe to say that at the end of the storm. No, no. Well, Pan American's long gone now. Yeah. And uh, uh, that, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier, but that, that was one, one great airline story as far as I'm concerned. Sure sounds like it. My gosh. Eat, drink, and be merry and get paid double time. Woo. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Well, Orphan Annie was correct, sir. All right. We'll stick I just wanted to get get that out of my system because it bothered me. Doesn't that make you crazy when that happens? Yes. Oh, I agree with you. Well, I'm glad you squeezed hard enough to get it out. Okay, I have a trivia on or Little Orphan Annie. Okay, this is for both of us? This is for both of you and the listeners if you guys want to throw it out there. Okay. Uh, we just lost Annie. The earlier this year, her, her, she was played by Shirley Bell, uh, out of Chicago. Uh-huh. In the 30s, who played Joel her, on the radio? Mm. He later became a famous, famous jazz singer. I don't have a clue. I'm afraid that one's beyond me. And I'll give you a big hint. Okay. Walton is this. Walton's hints, I told Ray. These are like baseball bats. Let's see. Sledgehammer hint. He wrote one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time. Yeah. Well, he, it, that would have been the Silver Bells, man? Not Silver Bells, but uh, he wrote Nat King Cole's famous song. Oh, God. The Christmas song. Yeah. Chestnuts Roasting on Open Fire. He wrote that. He was a he he was a good friend of Frank Percy. He used to go over to Frank Percy to watch movies. I'll be darned. He was a good friend. What he used to do, everybody, the singer would go to uh, do TV interviews, and they would ask, "Well, what do you want in this game?" He said, "Well, can I go through your film archive and pick out what film I can take home?" And they said, "Sure." Fantastic. And it was it was Mel Torme. Really? Mel Torme was I do Joel, remember him. Was Joel, Cup, was Joel of Little Orphan Annie in radio. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah. Well, they used to call him the Velvet Fog. That's right. Yes. That's right. The I Velvet remember what? him quite well. The Velvet, the Velvet Fog. And he did a lot of the vocal instrumentals. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember Absolutely. him quite well. Well, you got me on that one, Walden. Okay. Why? Now, now I'm, I'm not going to go think about it and call you back. <laughs> I know that I don't. I didn't know that one. I, I, I had a feeling that orphan Annie. She, I went in the living room. She popped into my head. I said, yeah. I know yeah. Pierre Andre, orphan Annie. I, I think you I sing want... the song. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you sing the orphan Annie song? 
I, 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 no, I don't sing, but it was Little Orphan Annie, da 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 I don't remember the, the I got melody. I da-da-da-da-da part, too. I can't sing, I can't sing worth it. With a nickel. So. <laughs> well, I have I have sworn my oath that I will not sing, and I think that's a gift to everybody. Yeah, I don't even sing in the shower. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I give bad vibrations throughout the house if I ever tried. But the showers have such a great echo too. But I bet him I bet him Johnny's book you could read it out loud, Patricia. I could I could read Orphan Annie out loud. Uh huh. Yeah. The Dunning, you could read this, the opening. I think the opening in the Dunning chapter. Yes, I could. Are you asking me to? Uh huh. <laughs> One must be articulate <laughs> <laughs> and be precise. Okay, little Orphan Annie. Let me see here. And after, Lone Ranger. Here, Andre, one of the great voices of old time radio. Yeah, he was very good. Yeah. And we have Little Orphan Annie. Okay. Who's that little chatterbox? Uh. Pretty auburn locks. Whom do you see? It's Little Orphan Annie. Okay. That's right. Hooray! Not even who. Whom. They were so precise with the language in old-time radio. They truly were. Yeah, they didn't miss a syllable, did they? They didn't miss a thing. I mean, the, the they just didn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everything was perfect. Bright eyes, cheeks a rosy glow. There's a store of healthiness handy. Might size always on the go. If you want to know, oof goes Sandy. <laughs> I'm not a singer. I'll, I'll do the arf part. I think you should sing it. I... <laughs> Ralph, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> you do not know what you're asking for. Oh, you know, uh, while well, I'm on the thought of orphanage, she also had a decoder thing where they would a give you... Of, uh, yes, they did have a decoder. and had a decoder. He had a ring that was... Um, it changed colors. But they gave you a ring also that was your birthstone color. They had an, a special offering. I don't know what. How much was that, Walden? Probably a couple. Maybe. Probably a couple box tops and a ten cents, probably. Ten cents, I think, you know, with uh, some Ovaltine. I, I think Royal Orphan Air was one of the very first one that really used giveaways, premium as a uh, uh, on a on a show. And uh, I think they're really blown off the doors how many kids uh, put in for them. Yes. You know? Yes. Well, yeah, well there was that, and then uh, Captain Midnight had one, and Dick Tracy had one, mm -hmm. uh, decoders. Mm-hmm. And then J Jack Armstrong had a lot of stuff, like the uh, yeah. pedometers and... Superman had oodles of goodies. Mm-hmm. Pep, I never had Pep. Was Pep any good, Ralph? Oh, Pep was all right. If you, you know, uh, never been a big cereal eater, but uh -huh. yeah, it was. I, I was thinking about it one day, and I wondered if it was still around. I looked it up on the internet; it doesn't seem to be around anymore. No. Was it like cornflakes? 
it, it was a flake, as I recall. I don't know if it was wheat or if it was corn. I'm not sure. It's a long time ago. <laughs> but it was a flake. Didn't, didn't you know there was going to be a breakfast cereal test tonight? No. <laughs> well, you just didn't pass. I wasn't ready. <laughs> You're a hoot. I really have wondered about that. I'll have to go out and dig up some pep information and find out what they put in that cereal. I think the only thing I found on the web about is I think somebody put up a lot of premium that they had available in, in the boxes in the mm-hmm. 30s. I think I've seen that site. Yeah, there are a couple up there, but there's a big one that I had visited a couple of times, and it's in my file somewhere. It, it's just huge. And it's got by product, what Ovaltine offered, what Kellogg's offered. Kellogg's just went hand over fist. They were incredible with the premiums that they put out. I still was listening to uh, Radio Show for 30, and I still can't get over... The address of these places. You, you I know, know, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, right. And no zip, team Chicago. Yeah, no, <laughs> no zip code. You know, seven Chicago. Uh-huh. And just, just remarkable. And you know, a lot of those uh, things that you sent away for, mm-hmm. they would want a box top or a reasonable facsimile. Oh, really? Uh-huh. A lot of them, you didn't have to have the real box top. You could kind of draw one. That would have been the, the certainly advertiser-driven how many kids are listening to us here. <laughs> oh, it was worth it for them. Wow. I wonder if because the government got involved, so they, they, they had to offer that as a, you know, a reasonable facsimile. I don't know. Yeah, well, it was a, that, that just popped into my head. I remember that so well. Uh, there was one, the only premium that I recall on Fibber McGee and Molly was the spinning tops that they gave away early on. Uh, And they were asking for copies, tracings, actual tracings of the Johnson wax can. And Uh, people were just writing Johnson's wax on pieces of paper. And it was clear that they had not bought the product and traced Johnson's wax. And they refused to send them. Harlow Wilcox came on a couple of times while they were in the middle of the offer saying, you either you have to copy it, it's got to be a tracing, otherwise it, it doesn't count. So they must have had thousands of people oh, I'm sure. sending in pieces of paper with Johnson's wax written on them, but it doesn't sound like they were honoring them. Uh, I uh, can't blame them. I mean, it was a product-driven offering, for goodness sakes. It's amazing when you talk about a subject the things that shake out of your brain that, that <laughs> you just haven't thought of in years. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm getting a, I'm getting the evil eye over here. Tony wants to go to bed. <laughs> Tony. Oh, gosh. What's well, only a quarter to 11? I, yeah. <laughs> After I talked to you earlier, I went in the living room. I said, boy, my voice is going bad. I can't, can't hardly talk anymore. I got my second wind. I come back at you. <laughs> well, thank you for blowing your second wind our way. Okay. You have a good night. Say good night to Tony. Yeah, good night. Good night, Tony. Yeah, she's right here. All right. All right. Thanks again, folks. All right, well. Bye. 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 Hey, phone call tonight. We. It's been. It's good to have the family call tonight. It's been it's fun. Good. 
It we, is good to we, get. You know, one one week we got 14 calls, and the next couple of weeks, Patricia and I were scratching our head. Where did everybody go? Where did everybody go? They they got all talked out in in one weekend. So I know. this is nice. It's always fun when we have people call. And if you're a first time caller, if you've never called us before and talked with us, a CD that has any show you want. As long as I can find it, you get it. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Hello, Walden. Hello, Patricia. Jim! Hello, Jim. How are you? Fine. How about yourself? I'm very good. It's a nice Saturday night here in Northern California. Not too hot, not too cold. Oh, it's one of those perfect ones, huh? Yeah, we've had plenty of hot days this week. You wouldn't even think it was October, you know, that it was, it's been hot a few days this week. Yeah. And generally, for people who don't know California, where Jim lives, it's a lot cooler and windier than where I live. It's interesting that almost northern and southern California are two separate states. It's two separate states, for goodness sake. Yeah. They have different ideas. You know, there's a, there's a, you know, when, like, for example, the Dod- whenever the Dodgers and Giants play in baseball, there's that rivalry. Right. But Which goes back to the New York days, of course. Yeah. The, uh, Got, uh, the, the subway... Subway series, when the Dodgers and Yankees. Dodgers and Yankees, and, yeah. And, um, yeah, it was like, you know, it was an, an interesting development. I don't know if they ever got it resolved, you know, that. So one of the cable systems back there, at least as of this morning, had lost their Fox access, and it was concerned as to whether they would be able to even watch the playoff games tonight on that cable system. I don't know if they got that resolved by tonight or not. Wow. It was, it was kind of like, you remember Walden in about 19, in about 2000, when, um, when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was the big thing on television? Uh-huh. And there was a dispute between ABC and one of the Southern California cable systems. And so Channel 7 was cut off cable. And you might remember that for a few days, KABC Radio actually carried the soundtrack of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I don't remember that at all, but that's a great, great, I, that's a great story. Because, it, you know, it, it was one of those quiz shows that you could listen to uh-huh. and you don't need a picture for it. Yeah. It's kind of like you could you could do a radio version of Jeopardy, I'm sure. Well, I think you're probably right. This also sort of thing gives me one of a major disaster happen. How often radio now don't really have a, a news crew; they just turn on the TV news on your AM radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's that that is an interesting. But I, the reason I called is I was going to mention to Patricia you were playing the clips of Edward R. Murrow earlier. Uh, there are three excellent biographies of Edward R. Murrow in print. Uh, one is called Prime. The oldest one is called Prime Time: The Life of Edward R. Murrow by the former CBS, the late CBS News correspondent Alexander Kendrick, which was the first major biography written of Murrow. That was in 1969. It may still be in print. Then in about 1996 or so, Ann Sperber wrote a book called Murrow, His Life and Times. And then there, was a, then there was a third book by Joseph E. Persico, and I'm not sure of the spelling, called Edward R. Murrow, An American Original. So there are three excellent biographies of Murrow that you can read. Which one is the best? 
Oh, boy. Well, I could have liked uh, Murrow, His Life and Times by Ann Sperber. I like them all, though. They all present it from a different perspective. All praise the man's talents and his abilities. Um, there's a lot of great focus on World War II and the buildup of CBS News. Um, my one drawback to all three biographies is when it gets to hear it now and see it now, they put all of the emphasis on see it now. They might devote a paragraph or two to hear it now, saying that it evolved into see it now. When I think hear it now, and it was such a great radio show, and I thank you for sending me those, by the way. Very welcome. And I know you've had a chance to hear some of those, and you would agree it's radio journalism at its best. Excellent shows. Yes, and, 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 and you know, tape recording was relatively new then, so... Uh, it, it wasn't like the old March of Times where actors impersonated news personalities, but and it was a full hour unsponsored, so so they could devote a full hour to every issue, major issue of the week. And he and Fred Friendly just did an excellent job. But, but again, when television came along, all of the emphasis you know shifted to television. Merle was really reluctant to even get into television because he didn't think television could really do the job of explaining the news the way radio could. Hmm. And you know what? I think he was right. I think he was, too. <laughs> he, I think was. he was, too. He, he was successful in television. No one can deny that. Uh, but, but, but radio, he thought, he said, how do you explain a, a power shift in Russia visually? And, they need, and, of course, now with TV, they have all these graphics and, and pictures that supposedly enhance things. But in many ways, it's more of a distraction. Agreed. Well, I would think Agreed. back then... You would have 15-minute newscast, and HV Cowboy other wouldn't mind just spending it all on one topic. Right. You know, hmm? you don't have that today. Right, you can't. And uh, Merle, during the years when he had his nightly 15-minute newscast at 7.45 Eastern Time, and that was from 47 to 59, he would devote like the first five or six minutes to the news of the day, and then he would do like a five-minute commentary or think piece on one of those news stories and his interpretation and the implications and the meanings. And then after the last commercial, he would have something called the word for the day. And that would be, it might be a quote from Mark Twain or Shakespeare or Edmund Burke or someone important who had relevance, uh, who, whose words might add uh, color or uh, meaning to, to one of those news stories. And it was an excellent way to close the show each night was that word for the day. And he would say, you know, then that's when he would say good night and good luck after the uh, word mm -hmm. for the day on his radio There's show. something so compelling about Murrow and all of the others, Elmer Davis, um, Eric Severide, uh, Robert Trout, all of them had a compelling style so that you could stay with them on a single subject for minutes after minutes after minutes and absorb it all. And they were all elo and they all were uh, uh, eloquent speakers, and they, they all had different political viewpoints. I mean, Robert, you never knew where Robert Trout felt politically because, you know, he was basically a newscaster, but he yeah. presented special events in such a special light. If you took one of our newscasters, our television newscasters, you take the CNN group, take the Fox group, it doesn't make any difference, pick the person you think is the best newscaster and put them in a radio medium and you couldn't stay with them. 
they do not have a delivery style that would allow you to stay with them. You just want to... You know, for a few years, uh-huh. uh, well, when when Jennings was do when Peter Jennings was doing the nightly news on ABC television, he did do a five minute radio commentary. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I know Cronkite for years did a radio radio commentary, and then after he left, Dan Rather did a five minute radio commentary. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Brokaw could have done it. Tom they have could've. briefly. Ted Koppel could have done it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Koppel did do a few radio commentaries yeah. for ABC. Uh. Katie Couric's been reduced on CBS Radio just to show the status of CBS Radio now. She does like a one and a half minute or a two less than maybe a two minute comment. Maybe it's even a minute commentary. They're very short, and you might as well not even do a commentary at all if they're that short. When Paul, when we lost Paul Harvey, that was kind of the end of the era of the fifteen. Well, first of all, of the commentator, and also it was the end of the fifteen minute radio newscast. Because even the CBS World News Roundup now is like eight or nine minutes. It's not 15 anymore. And in two minutes of that are, lo- are commercials that the local stations put in. You d- uh, I do know that the World News Roundup has news during those minutes because I've seen stations or I've heard stations hit the network maybe three seconds early. And you'll hear the newscaster say, action is expected in Washington tomorrow. On what? <laughs> Yes. We don't know what the action was because we have to hear local commercials. And it's it's and, and also as I as I think I've mentioned to Walden, I know I've mentioned it to Dennis and to uh, Dr. Beale one time. The World News Roundup has truly changed its focus because who you know in the in the heyday of the World News Roundup when Dallas Thompson was act, anchoring it and then Ned Calmer and then and even to some extent Christopher Glenn. You never would have heard on the World News Roundup who won American Idol last night. That would have not have been a news story the World News Roundup would have covered. Or which motion picture grossed the most money last weekend? I mean, it might be on an entertainment show, you know, like you know, like Tom Hatton, who you used to have, or people that did entertainment news. But it wouldn't be an item on a network newscast. And so, uh, and I guess the whole focus now has just changed so much on uh, what radio news covers. Not the same. I wouldn't know because we don't have any stations here. We have one AM station. One. One? One. One that plays, um, it's strictly the conservative string. That's the sum total of our radio coverage. And you get, you, 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 it's not, is it affiliated with a network? I beg your pardon? Is it affiliated with a network? I, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It's our local, it's our local station, and I don't even know if it's NBC or CBS. Well, of course, on radio now, there, except for, you know, when you think about it, uh, CBS and West, the Westwood One umbrella has CBS and CNN and Fox. I mean, they use the names, you know, all, all under the same corporate umbrella, essentially. Uh, Mutual's gone. I, I guess NBC exists like in a little one- or two-minute newscast through the day. ABC still exists, but it's not owned by ABC anymore. It's owned by a company called Citadel. I mean, ABC Radio. Mm-hmm. So, you, so even if they use the name ABC, it's not, you know, it's not under the ABC corporate umbrella, the radio network. 
Well, it really is disappointing because, as everybody knows, I say it often enough, I'm a talk show junkie. But I, I appreciate talk show versus lecture show. Yeah. And um, as I say, we've got this single station. I would love to have a half a dozen stations that I could hop from one to the other and listen to who's got what to say tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me, the stations in New York allow you to do that, but we just don't have them here. And I, I, don't, I don't know why. We certainly are growing large enough. Um, I don't know. We well, we, you know what we, you know what used to be fun is, you know, and of course that's pretty much local talk is pretty much gone. Uh huh. I mean, it used to be that a talk show host could be a host, say he could start out in Boise, Idaho, or Prescott, Arizona, or uh, uh, Helena, Montana, or wherever, and then he could, he or she could work their way up to the and the next mm -hmm. city, Omaha or Kansas City, then Miami, then maybe New York, and they could work their way up. Mm -hmm. get their training in different cities. Now, most of these stations don't do any of that. They just carry programs from a satellite dish. Exactly. Cheaper to do, I guess, than paying a host. Sure it is. Sure it is. doesn't cost them anything. But it's cut down on the quality of talk radio. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not even thinking about the political views. I'm just talking about the... The quality is down, and I think part of that is because... The choice is down. We don't have a selection. We don't have any options. You listen to it or you don't. Well, the other thing that many talk stations do, and I'm sure, I've, and I mentioned this to Walden, I know, many of these stations tape delay their talk shows. And unless you're a real radio buff and DX the dial and know that a given show might air at, say, 9 a.m. Eastern time in the morning, and if the station plays it like at 3 p.m. Eastern time, it's 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 delayed, and you know, and the listen, unless you're a real radio buff, many listeners don't know that. They might even try to call in to ask a mm -hmm. question of the guest or the host, and it'll just ring and ring and ring. And of course, the station doesn't have to say the program is pre-recorded. And to me, that cheapens talk radio when you when you do a pre-recorded talk show. Yeah, and we do get that. But but that's one thing nice about Yesterday USA is. We are live and in person. <laughs> yes, we are. We are live and in person. I have a question for you. I'll do my best. Well, Bob, this one is a real easy one, and then we'll get to the, <laughs> to the harder ones. I put in an envelope a CD with Harry Truman's speeches. Okay. But I don't think you got them. I don't. Well, I, I don't think I did. Uh, it was several weeks ago. It was at least oh, three or four weeks ago that I did that. Well, maybe I can look for it. I mean, you know, we've had some mail. We've had you've had some shuffling of mail. I can look for it, but nope, don't don't look for it. I will do it again. I will just make a new CD and send it um, because I I suspected that you hadn't gotten it because you always mention it. If you get something, you say I got it and. Um, and you didn't on this one, so I I figured you didn't get it. So I will do it again. That's very good. And uh, he was a great. He was another one who really had a commanding presence on. Uh, Gosh, he was so good as a speaker. So some of these are really good, and I think you'll enjoy them. You and and Walden are the two people in in the world I think would enjoy these the most. So I would be happy to do that. So are we gonna are we gonna go for a second one then? Uh, okay. 
All right. What are we in the mood for tonight? What do you, what do you think? Well, maybe you can do a, pro a product one. Maybe you can do another product one on a product. Oh, for pity's sakes. I don't have any product ones in front of me right okay, now. Okay, what have you got in front of you then? Let me see. Um, let me see. If, maybe I have a cowboy one. You're good at cowboys, right? Oh, all right. Um, okay. Broadway is my beat. Yes. That show? Right. Where was it set? New York City. There you go. And who, you know who the detective's name was? Yes, I do. Danny Clover. That's right. A great detective. And I, what, I, what was always interesting about Broadway is my beat, and by, maybe, maybe next time you can include one of those, some Broadway is my beats. I like that series. On the next seat, MP3 or whatever. Well, I, I owe you one. So if that's what you would like, I'd be happy to do it. I do have that show. Be fine. Uh, what was fascinating about Broadway is my beat is he his poetry that that well the, the writers put in that Danny Clover would use like and, and whatever the time of the year was he said would say something like when it's October on Broadway mm -hmm. he has a nip there's a pump there's there's pumpkins in the windows everyone is waiting for for the winter mm -hmm. everyone is hurrying about trying to keep warm but yet you've got a job to do. And are things like that, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. yep. At the end of each show, he would say something like, when you hear about the tragic situation of the people involved, he would say, when it's night on Broadway, the horns honk, the dreams die, uh, the shattered lives, it's Broadway, mm -hmm. the the most violent, the lonesomest smile in the world, yep. Broadway, my beat. My beat. Oh, Oh, and he was such a good actor playing that role, Larry Thor was. Mm -hmm. And I also like the, the interplay between him and T Tertaglia, who had all that humor. Very good. And uh, he, he, people say that Jack Webb was the most serious cop. Jack Webb could have some humor. Danny Clover was strictly business. I don't think Danny Clover ever joked. I mean, Tertaglia did. And, but Clover was all business. But it was another, it, it showed again the other side of Elliot Lewis, just how creative he was in producing that. Mm hmm. Just a great, um, I did, so I, I missed Walden in the news you were talking to your last caller about uh, what happened with Bill. Well, uh, they lost Puppy this week. Oh, the dog? The dog passed away. Oh, I'm sorry uh, to hear yeah. that. And then Bill hurt, hurt some of his ribs. So he's been pointing hurt here at being big techs. Uh, so he's got one more day of being big techs, and I think he's going to take Kim to the doctors Monday. Well, hopefully everything will go yeah, well. Yeah, hopefully. It's more, it's more sinus headaches and things like that. Poor thing. But uh, big techs is kind of, that's kind of his big moment. That is, that is him. He, is, he, he lives for the part. Have you ever been down there when he did it? Nope, I haven't. They, they talked about me coming down at that time, but I haven't. Uh, my my trips hasn't coincide with. Have you ever show. heard a recording of him as Big Tex? I I during when I turn the football game Oklahoma in, in Texas, he's there as Big Tex. You get to hear it. Yeah, he 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 comes over and and wishes all the football fan hello from Big Tex. Oh wow, uh, <laughs> that's fun. It's mm -hmm. fun when you can do something like mm -hmm. you re that you really enjoy doing. He what he does. Yes, he does. 
Well, not a whole lot to report here. It's been, it's been. I've been enjoying. I've been listening to you. You know, I, I tune. I browse the dial. I, I, I listen to you guys. I listen to Neil's station. How, listen, how's your computer working? Are, are you able to get all the bugs worked out? Uh, a few things we're still working on. I'm still trying to figure out how to. Uh, since my friend transferred all my files, audio files, to iTunes, we're still trying to figure out how to navigate iTunes and hear everything that's on file and make copies of them and and do that. And that's that's kind of complex. Uh-huh. But the uh, the one problem I'm having, and it must be something with the connection, is when I listen to you and other stations, every once in a while, every 15 or 20 minutes, I have to. Uh, It'll stop playing, and I have to hit the space bar twice to get it to start again. Do you have any idea what that might be? Yes, it's it's buffering, Jim. The, the stations, um, I, I'm not even sure what the function of buffering is, but they pause a little bit. They they um, catch up with themselves, and I, I think it has to do with the speed of the stream. Hmm. And if you just wait for a couple of seconds, it'll finish buffering, and then it'll pick up right where it left off. Okay, because yeah. I know I've, I've encountered that with several stations. Yes, and as long as you're listening on iTunes, uh, actually listening anywhere, as long as it's a stream on the Internet, it will happen. So if you just hang in there for a few more seconds, it'll probably correct itself. I know a friend Brian Henderson from Seattle have started listening to Yesterday USA on iTunes because it's a more stable stable platform. Mm-hmm. So you might want to look, Jim, go to iTunes, mm-hmm. look under radio, okay. look under talk radio, and then yesterday's USA at the bottom, bottom of the list. Okay. So you might, yeah, that might be a better point yeah. to hear us. When you, when you click in on iTunes, you're going to hear it for a couple of seconds, it'll stop playing, and it goes through a big buffer, so you're going to have to wait for several seconds, and then it'll pick up, and that's the only one you'll have to put up with. Okay, well, you know that's that's um, uh, but I am, but at least at, one thing nice. At least now, we don't have, and, and I, I was grateful while we had it, but we don't have to bother with that phone thing anymore. Oh, <laughs> I mean that was just so. What I would hate is you dial it, you'd finally get connected after all the commercials and the connecting, and then all of a sudden you you have been kicked from this site, and I'd have to redial nine and punch the code numbers again, and just you know it just drives you crazy. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're on a real honest-to-goodness system that will give you some pleasure and not so much work. Right, well, it, it was more it's more, more of an annoying, and of course they also would have to interrupt it every 10 or 15 minutes with one of their ads, which I guess pays for the use of the phone. But the other problem was you could be listening, and all of a sudden they would just say goodbye to you and just cut you right off, you know, right when you're listening. So you had to, to keep that from happening, you'd have to dial the number every few minutes. Huh? to stay, stay connected with the show. But anyway, I'm very glad for both of you. I hope uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, call you last night, Walden, and that some other people were using the phone and stuff. But uh, Well, that's okay. I was, on, I was on that phone, so it had been hard to get a hold of me. You had to, you had to call my cell to get a hold of me. So I, I did I did try later in the evening, and your line was, you know, in use. So, yep, uh, yep, yep. So, uh, anyway, I, I know it's going to be a, another fun weekend, and just think in a couple of weeks, well, in about three weeks, let's see, yeah, three weeks from tonight, mm-hmm. you're going to get, if you stay up, you and Patricia are going to get an extra hour to work. Oh, when is that? October, the, November the 6th, the oh. night of November 6th and 7th. Okay. When we turn the clocks back. So you get us for an extra hour. Right, you get, you know, and of course, since you, since you switch time too, you'll get to have, you know, either either you or her or both of you, 
We'll get an extra hour of programming. Yeah, Patricia will be on from two to three twice. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so will you. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun evening for you. Uh, and we'll, we'll get in touch later, Walden, about some of our plans for the fall, which we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I'm starting to wind down. I'm getting a little bit handling of some of the stuff I need to do around here. So I'm pretty much ready to work on that here in the next week or so, Jim. So. Okay, I, I can call you one evening about that. Yeah, give me a call. A By the way, how is your uh, how how is your work? I guess you've got everything unloaded from there, pretty much the transcriptions and tapes. No, nope, no, nope, yeah, it's I got it stacked in four in uh, four places. Four places. Four places. So I'm uh, actually five. Okay. So I'm I'm uh, I'm running a circus. Harry, 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 where's my stuff? So I'm now. It's just a question that now the big challenge will be. Finding what you want, I guess, with so much stuff to choose from. Well, I'm having it all transferred into the digital realm, so hopefully it'll be all easy to find. Well, yeah, that'll be great when you get yeah. everything transferred. Yeah. You can get, get, you'll have some new material. By the way, I'm really enjoying, when I'm able to hear it, I'm really enjoying the new that new thing you're playing with Gary Moore on Sunday nights. Isn't that good? Yes. That's a good show. Have we'll you play. had a chance to hear that yet, Patricia? No. Right after Dr. Beale on Sunday nights. Walden has a new series on Sunday nights. What's it called? Memory Mobile or Mighty Memory Mobile? Mighty Memory Mobile, a syndicated show that Gary Moore narrated in the mid '70s, I think. And it focuses on like right now. It's, we're just finishing the war years, aren't we? Right now. Uh-huh. For example, here we go. He's gonna play us a sample. Yeah, I'm gonna play a sample. You know, I'm just I've been notorious doing this all all the time. Let's see if we can a sample of this. Here we go, everybody. This is what you're going to hear a little bit tomorrow night. And now, the mighty memory mobile. That marvelous vehicle that takes us back into another year is about to set out on another of its famous journeys. It's the wonderful device that recalls to us the sound, the songs, and the sensation of what life was like not so very long ago. I'm Bob Maxwell, and I don't do all this single-handed. It takes two of us, and my co-conductor on this safari in time is Gary Moore. Well, thank you, Bob, and since you're driving, I'll just hop back comfortably here into the passenger seat, and don't be nervous. Because our, our maps, our records, our tapes, our music, and all of our paraphernalia is safely aboard. Well, Gary, where are we headed? Tonight, the Memory Mobile is going to visit the year in which this song was beginning to flood the airwaves. With the moon. And also this tune. And this voice was heard on the radio. The Japanese have accepted our terms fully. That's the word. That was the end of World War II. Gary, you're right. The end of World War II. Didn't it seem forever? You're right, though. 1945 was an incredible year. Yeah, it was so crowded with events and entertainment that we can only skim the surface here tonight, Bob. So there you go. For a good 90 minutes, you'll get to hear Gary Moore talk about his memories of, of a particular year personally and the news. Yeah, and, and, and it'll give you, it's an excellent way to learn, you know, those of you those of you who remember it, 
it'll bring bring the memories back to you. And those of you who don't, it's totally different than reading history in a book. I mean, it'll really capture the sounds and the, the spirit of the era. It was fun. He was telling a story, and I think it might be on this one, Patricia. In 1945, he was the you know, co-star Jimmy Durante on his radio show. And he just moved to Hollywood. And he got invited to um, a party thrown by the guy who created the uh, radio, um, what the Walter Kent radio. Walter Kent later became a playboy. And so he invited all these Hollywood stars to show up. And he wanted to know why. He said, because you're an actor. <laughs> and he said, okay. And he said, it's a formal party. And this was the end of the war. You didn't have formals. So he said, I had to go down to the local place near the movie studio. And I walked in. I said, I want to rent a tux. He said, oh, you're going to the same party? He said, yes. And he said, how do you know? Every movie star... It, came in to rent a, a formal from me. Nobody had the, had so, the uh, tuxedos. Yeah, so, so nobody had. So he saw the guest list. He saw Cary Grant, and he saw this person, this, and he saw Gary Moore memorize the list And at the party. So he was this new kid in town. When he got close to midnight, he walked around. Cary Grant said, hey, uh, watch what you're drinking. Don't spill it. You know, we got to return the suit back at, you know, t- without any spills on it tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, so little anecdotes like that Gary Moore would, would, would tell throughout, you know, if, if a certain story or certain things. So it's a nice way to look upon a year in a review and have him occasionally drop a personal story like that. Yeah, it's a show you'll really enjoy. Uh-huh. And also, I was going to mention to you, Alden, today on Steve's program, I didn't hear it, I'll be hearing the recording later, mm-hmm. on Steve's Those Were the Days Today, his focus was on someone you're very familiar with, Marsha Hunt. And I ran an interview with her last night, because this weekend she turned 93. Oh, she, oh that, so that must be the reason he's doing the special. Then. Right, yeah. He interviewed her earlier this year, so and, and they played a lot of radio shows that she was in. So so if you get a chance starting Tuesday, you know, they, they streamline it for a week starting on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to hear... Uh, Steve's interview, and he spread it out through the afternoon into like three sections. Very good. Plus shows, so you'll get a chance to enjoy all of that. She has a photographic memory. I don't know how she does it. She can tell you how many pictures and what each person she's been with. It's unbelievable. Or, or else she looks at her uh, her career notes before she does an interview. I, she has a cheat sheet. <laughs> It's nice to know that, you know, it's, it's really nice when you hear that these people that, that Walden and others interview are, are still just sharp as a tack and have their memories and, and are able to give their reminiscences like that and all of that. I agree. Well, I want to wish both of you a nice evening. Thank you. Always. And thanks for calling. Yes, we'll get to hear Harry in a few days. You'll get to hear Harry this week. It really is a neat collection, and I thought you'd enjoy it. So I'm, I'm disappointed that it didn't get there, but now I can, I'll do it again. Well, if it does, I, you know, if, if I do get find my old copy, that might be something to think about for the Yesterday USA auction for somebody. This is true. This is true. I know we, you, it, I usually put together a collection of shows for the auction. You know, I make them just as I do for the uh, trivia questions. 
and I put them put them together in a collection. But this year I've got so many additional shows, and a lot of them are unusual. So I have to start thinking about putting together collections. Thank you for the reminder. Well, you know, it's hard to believe. It. It's just it'll just be a few weeks now. I know, I know. I'm going to talk a little bit about it uh, later on in the show and remind people that the auction is the fundraiser for the year for Yesterday USA. So thank you for the reminder. Uh, you'll get, you, all of you, and when, it's going to be fun when you listen on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which is November, I guess, November the 20, uh, 28th, I think. Yeah, November 28th. You're going to have the fun of bidding on the items. There'll be the excitement as, as, the, as every item, you know, he, he, he sets the timer for the bell. And you think you've almost got it with three seconds to go, and then the bell, then some, and before the bell rings, someone calls and they start the bell all over. It's it's it's, uh-huh. a, it's a fun it's a fun listening experience. Uh, yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's frustrating because as you say, you, you get to the end and you think it's going tick Item. tick tick. I've got it. I've got it. I lost it. <laughs> and you have to go back and uh, decide whether or not you want to put in another bid. And other times, you you put in a bid, and people have set amounts. I, I, I think a lot of people do. I do. I'm, I come to an auction and say, this is my absolute maximum. If you bid all of it on a single item, that's it for the rest of the night. You just cannot do it. Um, and I'm usually a little bit more judicious than that. I'll bid until... You know, I said, oh, okay, it's getting a little bit higher. But So I'm happy if I get one or two of the items that I tick off that I'd like to bid on. But sometimes you get a, what I would consider just a, a wonderful gift for a, an ultra-reasonable bid. And that's part of the fun of an auction, and especially because this year has been so difficult financially for so many people. It's just the state of the economy. So people are going to be bidding cautiously, and when you can come home with something that you really love and it didn't, it didn't violate the limits that you set for yourself, it's just so much fun to be able to do that. Well, it's also fun to pick, you know, to, to learn about items that you may not even be aware exist. Uh-huh. You might, you, you might learn about a package of, uh, like last year, uh, Walden got some, March, some classic March of Time shows, I believe. And I got uh, the the album and the the CDs. We interrupt this broadcast, which is about memorable news bulletins narrated by Bill Curtis. I got a Radio Spirits gift pack, uh, sixty greatest shows, and uh, sent a copy to a friend. And and we got some. This is your FBI's. And there was a guy. Uh, one of the guys, I guess in Vermont, really struck it rich. Uh, luckily, last year he, he got he got cassettes, CDs. He got books, and he got, and most important, he got a cassette dubber, which is which are very hard to find now. That's right. I remember that. So there, there really are some unusual things, and not all of them are radio related. I know I've I've talked about this on the air a couple of times. That one of the things Dr. Dale contributed to one of the auctions was a hand cranked. Um, it's not battery operated because it's hand cranked. But it's a, a, a unit that has a radio, AM and FM. It's got an emergency radio station. It's even got a teeny-weeny little television station for news reports. Uh, it's got a jack so you can charge your cell phone. 
and it's a hand crank power type thing, which is absolutely fabulous to have in an area of the country where power outages from powerful storms is a real possibility. So that I got at the auction, and um, I, I think I got it for a really good price, I, probably a couple of dollars less than if I had gone to the store, but I would have bid more for it. I mean, it was just something that was special for me. People who don't live in a storm-prone area of the country might not have thought it was a really big deal. For me, it was a big deal, and I'm just so happy that I got it. Have you ever, tr- have you ever, Radio related. Have you ever tested it out? You know what? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I just took it out of the closet the other day, um, and one of the things I've been looking for, I had a universal jack, um, and I'm probably not using the correct term, but it's it's got a whole bunch of... Um, openings that you can you can jack into, and one of them will fit my cell phone, but I have to find it first. I use it for Christmas decorations, and I thought I had the right box. I can't find it, so I have to wait until it's Christmas time to find um, find the jacks. The way speaking, you were talking earlier about storms. My one storm experience that I remember most vividly, and I was like six when it happened. We lived. My parents and I and my brother and sister lived in Port Arthur, Texas. And we were there when Hurricane Audrey hit in 1957. Oh. And we were in a trailer house. Ooh. Trailer house at the time. Very vulnerable. So my parents, uh, fortunately, we had a neighbor. One of my dad's business associates was lived a couple of miles away, and they let us come into their house. And we stayed there from about, oh, 12.30 or 1 in the morning till like, noon when, we, when it was pretty safe to go home. Fortunately... You know, uh, Port Arthur was pretty much spared, and the real and unfortunately, though, the hurricane truly hit Cameron, Louisiana, which really got hard hit. You know, in uh, a lot of fatalities and flooding and things like that. But it was a scary experience. I mean, I don't remember that much about it. I do remember my mother getting us up and getting us into the car, and I do remember hearing the howling of the wind. That was a scary experience, and I always got nervous. You know, we lived in Illinois, and we would hear about severe thunderstorm warnings or watches or tornado warnings or watches, and you heard all the static on the radio because of the electrical interference. You always had that nervous feeling, when, when, and they say, when, especially when the announcer would say, we're in a, say it would be 1 o'clock p.m., and they say, we're in a severe thunderstorm warning till 10 o'clock tonight, and you think, oh, boy, mm-hmm. seven or eight hours of you know, not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. That's kind of a scary experience. Yes. And I'm sure you've encountered many of those experiences in Florida. Yeah, summertime, we're in the big time, but they, they don't last long. They'll say maybe from 2 in the afternoon till 5 or in, in the early morning from 6 a.m. to noon. So it, it's not a huge block of time, but you can see these weather systems boiling up and moving through. So, yes. And, and you see the wind whipping up out there, and you wonder, you know, is, is it going to be my turn? Well, you know, we, we live here in, uh, Walden and I both live in earthquake country. Uh-huh. And we, I've often debated, is a storm scarier than an earthquake? And I think I have mixed opinions about it. An earthquake is scary because you don't know when it's going to hit. You know, it, it, just, yeah, I was just going to say I, I would pick an earthquake as the scarier of the two because there's no preparation for an earthquake. And with a storm, I know, for the most part, I mean, some of them whip up very fast, but for the most part, we know 
how big it is, how powerful it is, when it's going to hit, and where it's going to hit. You don't have that liberty with earthquakes. Right. We know when the quake hits. Show up. So when the, when the quake hits, is, you, you think to yourself, is it going to be a minute? Is it going to be two minutes? Mm-hmm. Something going to fall? Right. And, you know, it, it, it gives you a creepy feeling when the ground is shaking. Oh, my goodness. It's like we had one earthquake here that I know of. They're apparently not all that infrequent. I mean, they're not frequent by any means, but it's not a one-time occurrence. But it was a 6.5 out in the Gulf. And that's a, that's a pretty hefty earthquake. And I'm on the second floor in a two-story apartment. And it, my chair started to move. You know, I mean, it was it was swaying back and forth. It was enough to rock the building. And based on what you Californians talk about, I knew we were having an earthquake somewhere. And by golly, it was. It was out there in the Gulf. I, there were three that I particularly remember. Uh, I wasn't here for the big one in 71, but I do remember, I believe it was, was it, you might remember this, Walton, I was with my, I was with my parents in Southern California. Wasn't there an earthquake on New Year's Day of 79 in the yeah. afternoon? Yeah, yeah, right during the football game, uh, during the Rose Bowl game, I was waiting on the, um, actually I went to the restroom and missed it. Yeah. I, everybody else was in the living room and felt it, I was in the restroom and missed it. Leave it to Walton. <laughs> But I do remember it hitting on New Year's Day. Uh-huh. I remember that, yep. And then I remember there was one in 80 that hit on a, in Northern California. Of course, I do remember the, I was I was here for the infamous 1989 Roma Prieta one. Yeah, the, the well, the, the famous World Series one. Yeah, that was a scary Well, now, tell me about that. I mean, I I was walking in my neighborhood when I walked when we, when we heard about it, and that thing just kept shaking the whole state. Well, you have shaped for the rest of the night. How was the experience? Well, what I, I was on the phone talking to my reader about a school assignment uh-huh. reading to me, and I hear this ground shaking and feeling. My mom, my parents don't even know there had been a quake until my, they didn't have the TV on, until my aunt and uncle called them from Texas to see if I was all right. And then they called me, and, apparently, and I'm guessing, I'm betting, I'm betting my uncle was probably watching the World Series. Mm-hmm. You know, they were getting ready to play that game at Candlestick. Uh-huh. They sure was. And you heard Al Michael saying, hey, we're having a play, you know, just, you know, he's talking about the game, and it was a memorable broadcast moment. Because you could hear uh, on the recording, you could hear the electrical buzzing or whatever, well, you know. You heard the transformers blow out. Yeah. That was a scary experience. And, of course, the other one that was scary for me was I was visiting my parents on vacation. That one that hit about 4.30 on a Sunday morning, it was about, was it two, Was it 92, was it? It was on a, like in June or something? It was, it, was nine, it was Saturday morning. We had two, two seven, seven, one up in Big Bear. other one down, and I was laying, laying around, and uh, I was laying in bed. I, I wrote it out. Yeah. And then uh, the first one, Dad was up. And water was starting to come out of our swimming pool. Ours was too. And Long Dad, Beach. And Dad took a broom to beat the water back in before it got into the garage. Yeah, our, our, it hit Long Beach too. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean the uh, the water was all over. Yeah, that was '92. Yeah, that was a scary experience. And I missed '94. I was here, but I heard about the Monday morning. It was a Monday morning one in '94. Yeah, that was the that was the famous Northridge earthquake, and that was be- five. I was ha- I I was sweeping. And I felt the earthquake, and I somehow I instinctively moved to the door, even though I wasn't totally knew what. I, somehow I was waking up. 
and I just knew what to do. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a. Uh, it it is more scary, I think, than a storm. I have to agree with Patricia. I I would still take an earthquake, but I I really haven't lived through storms. I just lived through earthquakes. Yeah. Well, you know, but but you know, but we are really blessed in this country because when you hear, I mean, I mean, we have we have we we've had losses, but when you think of structural damage. We have so many, so many better building codes here than I'm thinking about, like places like Haiti and those yeah. other Pakistan and uh, uh, Turkey or India. I mean, so many places they're building codes. But it makes you wonder, though, if we do get an 8.0, what? How are we going to survive? Yeah, they've been speculating on that. Mm-hmm. They keep saying the big one's coming. Yeah. What I never, what I always feel kind of frustrated by is you're listening when one, when a big one hits. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you hear a newscaster say, damage, experts say this is not the big one, right when you're trying to get over your depression over the one. <laughs> you know, and the experts say the big one is still coming. Those terms. <laughs> it's just, and, but I, I guess you live with, I guess you live with it, I, or you, you know, if people couldn't take it, I guess they'd be leaving California. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think so. I also, well... It's how we how we cope. How did the how does human society cope? And somehow we we get through it. Yeah, well, we we you know when you think of all the things that we have gotten through. I mean, when you think about you know d- d- natural and I'm I'm still in awe of those miners in Chile. Oh my gosh! Yes. I just I mean I couldn't even I I, I you know I I thought. Would I even be able to keep my sanity for two weeks under such circumstances, even a week under such circumstances? Yeah. But yet they did, and and managed to survive, and and fortunately they got them all out, and and uh, they're all they're all just went on their ways. I guess I heard the last of one I think may or two may still be in the hospital for observation. But when you think of just getting getting out of there and. and also, the fact they were able to get them out much sooner than they feared. They were fearing they may not be able to get them out till Christmas. Uh-huh. Patricia and I were talking about this a couple of nights ago. I think recently, Jim, this is one of the rare moments uh, now that we all grew together to watch that happen. Yeah. I, I think because uh, there are so many media options, less and, you have less and less events that happened to bring us all together to, to observe a, a miracle or observe a, a tragedy all one time. Well, the one, I, the one I remember, I guess the last thing that might be similar, uh, that girl, and was it, in, was it in Midland, Texas, that was in a well or something about 20, about 20 years ago? Or, there was a little girl in... It was an anniversary. Yeah. Uh, just... 1987, that was on the list of date. Today is the anniversary of her getting out of the well. I remember everyone was just spellbound by that. Was it Jessica? Jessica, oh. that's her name, yeah. yeah. It was Jessica, yeah. That's right. It was Jessica. And what a miracle that was. And I, I, I remember my mother telling me about it, and then I heard about it later on a year-end review program. In 1957, it was a boy named Daniel Hooper, about seven, that fell into a well or a hole in uh, his home near his home in upstate New York. And he was like seven, and he was rescued. But it just had the whole nation. I, don't, I can still remember my mother watching television and her telling me about this little boy trapped in a hole. 
And, you know, as a child, you know, you, you, you remember things like that. Mm-hmm. And they, fortunately, they got him out. And I know, I know there was a famous story, one of the first stories to be covered by television. Unfortunately, they couldn't get her out. There was a girl in Southern California. What's her name? Kathy? Yeah, Kathy, in 1951. Uh, once you're all sure, it builds pretty good. You know, the seas build pretty good. Yeah. Well, you folks up along the east coast right. taking all of the hits this year with the hurricanes and the storms I, i'm almost afraid to say it out loud we got tickled at the southern tip of the state with one and i mean just tickle and after that just everybody on the east coast got hammered with this all the way up the coast right florida is of course the hurricane capital of the world yeah. <laughs> and you guys are taking the hits for us this year i'm really sorry because you've had some brutal weather along that whole coast right up to the northeast so i'm glad oh, we I don't mean, have it i'm just sorry you do yeah i mean it, you know it happens you know uh, indeed indeed so you in the market for a question or are you just kind of saying hi what's your question <laughs> Okay, we'll do this. We're still into partners and associates here. Who is Abner Peabody associated with? You mean Lum and Abner? Or? That's right. Okay. Associated with Lum. Do you know what Lum's last name was? No, I don't. Okay. Want me to tell you or you want to hold on? It's <laughs> 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 just, I, you're going to have to wait forever to hear it. I, want me to tell you? Oh, it doesn't matter. You can save it for somebody else. <laughs> no, it's okay. I wasn't, it wasn't part of the question. Um, I just wanted to know if you knew it. His name was Edwards, E-W-E-D-W-A-R-D-S, but he pronounced it Edders. So his name was Lum Edders is the way he pronounced it. Right. And he spelled it. So I thought that was kind of cool. And um, that's my entire box of knowledge for the night. <laughs> you got the whole thing. So, what can I send you? Oh, you want to send me a disc? Sure. Okay, let me, uh, look here, uh, Give me a category and I'll tell you what I got. Uh, I know the ones you had, I'm trying to think of the name of, uh, the comedies, uh. Comedies, he likes comedies. Who's the, who the last caller? Who was you sending him? Uh, that, he, he wanted... Amos and Andy. Amos and Andy? Yeah, just do that while you're making them, just make an extra set. <laughs> so, but it should be easier for you. Okay, Amos and Andy it is. Amos and Andy. Okay, do you have any? Have I ever sent any, or do you have any um, in your collection? I, I have none of the Amos and Andy. No, I have... You sent me a pretty full set of uh, Lum and Abner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I asked about the Amos and Andy because I have them in more than, I mean, th there are a lot of shows and I have them clustered in folders, so I would have sent you to do some homework and tell me which folder I sent you, but if I didn't send you any, then I can send you whatever I want. Yeah. yeah well, I'm out ahead. I don't have to go shopping <laughs> for you. Amos and Andy, it is. Sure. And, uh. Is it, is it getting cooler up there? Yeah, it was cool last week, and uh, uh, it's warming up again a little bit now. It's, I think it's about 45 out there tonight. I was out. <gasps> That's 
it's winter. Uh, not really. It's uh, we haven't had any heat on yet. And these guys are out fishing. Yeah, it'll be a lot warmer out there. It'll be warmer out there in the wind. Yeah, because well, uh, they're out in the uh, the Gulf Stream, and uh, the, the, what the Gulf Stream is, it's a warm eddy current that flows uh, like from Florida, runs up uh, runs up the coast. Uh huh. In the New England, and turns, goes over to Europe, comes back down. Right. Uh, and uh, it's a, it's just a warm weather. So you can go out in January, you leave land, it'd be freezing, and then you get out there, you wear a short sleeve shirt. Gary. Uh, yeah. You would wear a short sleeve shirt, not me. The, it's, it's actually, uh, you know, once you're out there, it's actually nice. The water, water will be warm and uh, huh? on out, and it's actually pretty decent, you know. I say, I guess I don't have to worry about it because I wouldn't go out to begin with. I'm the welcome home committee. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on the dock saying, here I am, I've got the hot coffee, we're all ready with a party. I don't do boats like that. It would scare, I mean, you just scared the dickens out of me the other night when you were talking about it being so dark and you can't see anything and... All you see are stars, and you can hear the whales. And I thought, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, I'm Charlie Chicken. I'd be down. I, I'd be there saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. Please take me home. Well, once you go, yeah. My wife never, has never been offshore with me. She used to fish inshore, you know, like 20 miles out, but she started getting seasick, so she she quit going. And uh, so the two of us can be the welcome home party. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing is she she loves the fish, you know. I mean, she likes to eat the fish once they come in, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, that's good. I mean, you can't eat the whole thing yourself. You come in with some pretty big fish. Yeah. But uh, since uh, since she started eating, the, you know, like the raw fish, uh, you know, she's like a vulture when, when we're cutting fish up, you know, grabbing pieces. And uh, I don't know if you ever tried that or not. You like the sushi or sashimi, things like that? No. No? No. Yeah, she uh, she absolutely refused. I was, she was not gonna eat no raw fish, and, and one day one day I just talked to her. And I said, "Look, you know, it's not gonna hurt you. Just you know, people eat it around the world. Try it." And yeah, she really likes it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> A lot of people get sick just thinking about it, you know. That's cool. You know, I mean, I'm never gonna criticize what other people like, but yeah. make me eat it, okay? Yeah, but if you like fish, try it sometime. You know, like some fresh. If you ever get a chance to get fresh tuna or something, you know. And I'd really rather have my stuff cooked. Mm-hmm. I'm not big on fish either, but uh, yeah, it's. it's a... I, I like fish. I'm just not gonna eat it before it comes out of the oven or the pan. <laughs> no, like I said, when you're out there, so I I don't go much anymore. I mean, I used to really like going, but. Yeah. I just don't go that much anymore. It's just uh, so hard on me. It's uh, but uh, you know when you're out there at night, uh, those nighttime trips are the best because it's yeah you know, the the air is clear. You're away from all the pollution. You know the the air, the air is cleaner. Huh? Then you're away from all the light pollution. So that's the I, fun. Yeah. Night sky is really neat out there. And uh, and one one night this was real interesting. I don't want to take your time, but. Uh, was interesting to me because I was there, but uh, we uh, we were out there by ourselves. Uh, you, you could see some other boats off in the horizon, lights off other boats out, you know, maybe four or five miles away from us. Huh? And uh, apparently there was an aircraft carrier 
uh, run some sort of maneuvers. Yeah. These planes, uh, what we heard was this carrier was about 100 miles away from us. But all these uh, Navy planes, they were using us as mock targets. Oh, my. And uh, oh. they would come in come in on you, and you're sitting there, and, and just the, the sound off those, off those jet, powerful jets, when they would they would come in and empower, you know, you could see them lining up on you like they're going to be strafing you or drop a bomb or something and then power out and and uh, the, 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 the awesome power of those engines. It was... Oh, boy, the first couple of times I'd have been laid out flat. Yeah, we had a, a, a 35-foot twin diesel then, and uh, it, would, it would rock the whole boat. I mean... Uh, oh, my. Just the, the power off it. It was coming in real low and then powering out and... And uh, it was, you know, you're hoping nobody pushes the wrong button on you, you know. <laughs> Didn't get a whole lot of sleep, did you? Oh, we were fishing, you know. It was, it was nice, you know. Uh, you were, oh, oh, well, you know, the fish had a great time with that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it was an amazing air show, you know, all, uh, just, just us, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Wowzers. Okay, well, I am so glad you called in. I'm sorry you have to stay up for the rest of the day now. I think everybody should get a, a late sleep on a Sunday. Right. Nah, I'm not a late sleeper anymore. Oh. Never was. I've always been up early. But oh, gosh. I'll let you go. I'll find some more, something, someone more interesting to talk to here. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, did you Do you remember streetlights from when you were a kid? Streetlights? Streetlights, yeah. You mean, uh, yeah, a street, sure. Yeah, the, the stuff that's out on the side of the road, a streetlight. Yeah. With a light pole? Right. What did they look like? Uh, I've never really thought about them. They're just, just lights. I mean, I'm not old enough to remember gas lights or anything. <laughs> I didn't think you were. <laughs> uh, of course, up in Pennsylvania, they look like uh, Hershey Kisses, you know. Oh, that's right. In Hershey, Pennsylvania, they do. I forgot about that. Edible lights. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, your homework assignment for the week is to think about what the streetlights looked like in your town when you were growing up. Yeah, I didn't live in town. Where did you live? Uh, we, live we lived there. We were country people, you know. So did you even have streetlights out in the country? Well, not out where we, where we were at, no. I mean, uh, you know, we would uh, go to town. Uh, my huh? mom would go to town every, every two weeks for groceries. But, I mean, you know, we uh, there was barely lights out where we were. <laughs> streetlights. Okay, well, you're forgiven. We'll have to get a different question for you then. So, yeah, I don't, don't really, uh, you know, like I said, where we lived, there was just nothing, you know. No. Well, you can't tell me what they looked like if you didn't have any. No, no, I mean, I, I mean in town, of course, there was some. Right. It was, you know, it was something, uh, you know, you just didn't see much of. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, I'll find a different question for you. All right, Patricia. Okay. You, you won't have a good night. Thank you, and thanks for calling. See you. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. It's officially the Breakfast Club. It is now the Breakfast Club because the, the, the early risers are here. Yeah. Well, I've got a whole bunch of stuff. Here it is, 5 o'clock, and I've got bunches of stuff about bank night. I've got bunches of questions about the show caught in the suit of armor, and I still have Walden's question. And it's only 5 in the morning. And it's only 5 o'clock. People make it. <laughs> okay, well, this this really isn't 
it isn't worth asking, I guess, is what the situation is here. Oh, I, I, uh, I think you're absolutely correct. We can skip that. <laughs> I shouldn't bother to ask it. <laughs> You're too funny. I'm going to ask it anyway. I thought it would be pretty neat to stick with a Has Gun Will Travel theme for tonight. Sure. So I knew you that you knew where Paladin was based, but I wasn't I knew, sure that... I knew that you knew that we knew that... That you knew everybody knew. That everybody knew. I knew that you, you knew, knew. That everybody knew. That everybody else knew. So we didn't need to knew that because we already known that. <laughs> well, I knew... You knew. <laughs> All right, let me let me rephrase this. I am aware that you know. How's that? Is that good? How did I know what? Well, that you knew or know which city Paladin was based in. Yes, Lancaster, New York. It was. It was? <laughs> Lancaster, New York. I know that. <laughs> That's where Paladin is. <laughs> I, I think... I think well, we're we know it's not the we, end here. <laughs> we, we know it's not Brooklyn, you know. Not, it's not Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay, but I wasn't sure that you would remember the name of the hotel. The Carlton Hotel. The Carlton Hotel, and I see, and and we played it all night. So, but I, you knew that anyway, without even having listened to the shows. Yeah. But I thought it would be kind of fun. I wasn't positive that you'd know the hotel, but well, you did. Yeah, good. That's good. So you, I'm going to go you know to the really hard stuff can, next week, boy. You're doomed. Can, can, can I give you a hint? Give me a hint? Uh -huh. I know what the answer is. Oh, that's good. <laughs> what, what is the hint? Ask me the question about the hotel. I think I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then, what hotel was Paladin based in? Anybody knows, you can help me out by giving me a call at 714 I'm part of the Twilight Zone here. <laughs> if you think Walling playing with Patricia, you're absolutely correct. I'm having... <laughs> <laughs> you are too much tonight. Yes, it's okay if you call to help Walden answer the question that he just answered. <laughs> well, that's a novelty answer. A novelty routine, isn't it? Well, it's a novel routine. This is correct. That's correct. This is correct. Yeah. Now, I've got all of these fabulous shows that I'm, I'm trying to find homes for. And um, we got a late start tonight, so I'll hold the, the, um, I'll hold the adoption papers until next week. But I've got things like Rocky Jordan and Voyage of the Scarlet Queen in the Adventure group, and I've got Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. I do have loads of Agatha Christie mysteries, which are just great. They're British productions, and nobody can put on an Agatha Christie play like the British. So we've got them. I've got a new set of Shadow and uh, Shadow uh, shows, and they're divvied up into the categories with um, Orson Welles, um, Brett Morrison, um, Bill Johnstone, and is there a fourth? There are others, John Archer, uh, Steve Corcoran, but we only have like one one or so episode. Uh, okay, main, so uh, those are the three main ones. Those are the three. Those are the three biggies, yeah. Okay, then they're divvied up into three folders, so you can pick and choose. I'm not too sure about the Orson Welles. I have Orson Welles plus whatever was left over in that folder, but 
Um, Ellery Queen, Space Patrol, Tom Corbett, X minus one, Frontier Gentleman finally has a home. Ron asked for Frontier Gentleman. This is good. Um, the Lone Ranger, nobody has asked for the Lone Ranger in a long time. I've got Hopalong Cassidy, Red Rider, Wild Bill Hickok, Gene Autry, Tales of the Texas Rangers, Roy Rogers. We've got loads of cowboys. And it uh, doesn't sound like we've got cowboy interests out there, but we've got others if that's what you would like. So you want to hear about Bank Night? Or maybe I should ask the Super McGee and Molly questions first. Oh, I guess you were going to ask my, my Stump Walton question. Well, that was it. Which was it? The Carlton Hotel. But you didn't give me the question. You gave me the answer. <laughs> but I did. I said, "What? What was the hotel?" Oh, I said, "And you know the hotel, and you know where he stayed." And you said, "Yes, the Carlton." Well, I know, but I thought we could play the routine again. Okay. Oh, oh, wait. Okay, Walden. Yes. Are you ready <laughs> for your questions? <laughs> I am ready. Okay, Walden. What city was Paladin based in? San Francisco, open Mary. your heart and say. Walden? Yes, my dear. What was the name of the hotel he lived at? He lived at the Carlton Hotel. This is good, in San Francisco. Oh, good. This is good. See, I knew you knew the oh, answer. Oh, gosh, yeah. You're too smart. I, I, I really have to do a better job here. I just, I just, I take after you. I just, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see my eyes rolling here. <laughs> and where do you live? Wait a minute, let me think. <laughs> I have to give that a thought. Um, I will do a better job. We, we, I just kind of well, you were love with the theme for tonight with Paladin and Half Gun Will Travel and the Ballad well, of Paladin. I got carried away. You were prepping for the show. Well, thank you. you I'll accept prepped. that. You prepped. Well, you did, you did. I did. I did a lot of homework. I, boy, he blew me away. I thought, wow, this is good. I found seven halls of fame for him. Yep. And by golly, he came up, and there were ten. I know. He has been inducted into ten halls of fame. I thought I did great. I thought I had them all at seven, but I didn't. Well, hey. Okay, so here is Fibber. Fibber was cuffunking down the down the way. Um. Gildersleeve is after him. He's going to punch him out, and poor Fibber is stuck in the suit. He is in a suit of armor. And the questions were, what, who said to Molly, who's your friend in the noisy knickers? Great line. Boy, they had some great lines on this show. The second question was, who said, you're a hard man, McGee? And the third question was, while he clunked home, Fibber asked Molly to hold a sword over his head. He had a sword that went with the suit of armor. Why did he ask her to hold the sword over his head? He was slashing taxes. No. That's as good an answer as anything. Yeah, Not the right one. I know. 714-545-2071. This is fess-up time because you had to be listening to the show in order to answer the questions. So if you're not calling, maybe you didn't listen to the show. Do you want some bank night information? I sure do. Oh, gosh, was this good or what? I thought, and I believe you did as well, that it was just kind of a casual pickup thing that local theaters did, and they gave away dishes one night, and they had yep. bank night another night. Yep, that's what I thought. And it wasn't. Mm. <laughs> it was an incredible... 
incredible um, network that was started by one person, Charles Yeager, who copyrighted the idea. He actually started Bank Night as a game. Let me see if I can, uh, let's see. Bank, Bank Night started in 1931 with Inventor Yeager's Enterprise. It went from his brain to various theaters and by, let's see, what date are we here? Um, that's the industry, and we've got 1936. We had 4,000 of the nation's 15,000 movie houses playing Bank Night. Bank Night was in a lobby of the theater. The owner would place a large book. People who wanted to play would enter their names in the book opposite numbers that were corresponding. And later on, the, their numbers would be called. Bank night was usually Monday when receipts were normally the lowest, so it was an impetus to get people coming in to watch a movie. So they would, the numbers were drawn from a drum if the person whose name was entered uh, had, uh, did not respond within three minutes, the money went to the following week. And of course, a larger group would show up the following week. But the interesting thing is that it was a system to play what the state would later, not the state, the actual nation, would actually decide was gambling, but because nobody bought a ticket and you actually did not have to be physically present inside the theater when the number was drawn, you just had to be on stage within three minutes, it evaded the lottery laws. They had laws against playing lotteries. So it was not considered a lottery until 1937 <laughs> when the courts started coming in and deemed many of the bank nights as gambling. So they banned them in some areas. Other areas were not banned. Places went to court. And in the meantime, this guy, Jaeger, was making or had made anywhere from $5 to $50 a week per theater in order to, to, to people who, who bought the right to use his idea. And he took people to court. Wow. Somebody came up with a, somebody came up with something that they called a cash night. And he took them to court and sued them because they, they had actually appropriated his idea and his system and simply tacked a new name on it. It would be like copying a book and just putting a new title on it. So it was really interesting. Apparently, it was quite a brouhaha. So that was 1936. Let's see what happened. In 1936, this uh, was from February 3rd, 1936, in Time Magazine. Opening paragraph. In Minneapolis last week, I.J. Carr sued the manager of the Fall Theater for $2,000 in damages because of the humiliation he claimed to have suffered when the theater failed to pay him a $150 prize after announcing that he had won it on bank night. So we're in court already here. <clears throat> this is not good. Second paragraph, in Augusta, the Supreme Court refused to review a superior court decision that bank night was not a violation of the Maine lottery law. I was in Augusta, Maine. 
I mean, this, the whole place is going crazy here. In Los Angeles, a municipal court ruled that the Strand Theater pay $400 to the winner of a bank night prize who had failed to claim it in the specified three minutes, although he had been in the Strand Theater at the time the prize was announced. So people were going to court over this thing. I thought it was just like, you know, a friendly little Sherman... What, what, who was it, Ransom yeah, Sherman? Yeah, he thought we just a, a giveaway. Just a, you know, like a little door prize type thing. And it wasn't. It was big time nationwide, and it ran from 1931 to, I think it was 1937, they finally tossed it out. So it was, uh, it was quite a thing. I had no idea. I, Amazing what you make. This. I, I knew the name, and I thought uh, pretty much local theater did it around the country, and that's about all I ever knew. Yeah. Great history, Patricia. So, okay, for 1936, here's here's a question for you. Now, recognizing, let's see, now this was, um, all right, we had 15,000, they called them cinemansions, not cinema houses or, or movie houses, they called them cinemansions in this article. That's peculiar, like a mansion, only it was cinema. Well, a lot of them were, if you look at some of the classic examples of those theaters built in the 20s and 30s, some of them were like palaces, practically. Oh, gosh, they were, and some of them were named, yeah. had palace in their names, yes. Okay, so 1936, we've got 15,000 movie houses out there, and, of course, they're all tucked in little places. Most of them are tucked in little places like Wistful Vista. What do you think the annual receipts were? Um, of all 15,000 theaters combined? Uh-huh. The gross box, uh, this mm -hmm. is gross, not that. Yeah. Gross box th office receipts for the cinema industry in 1936. 300 million. A billion dollars. Wow. It's amazing that. Business. I, 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 I knew, well, it's amazing, well, it tells you a couple of things. I knew movies did well during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, a billion dollars, wow. A billion dollars. They, they... Well, it tells you how important entertainment was to the culture then, just to get away. Just to get out and get away. Yeah. And, and even in our Fibber McGee and Molly shows, there were a couple of nights. They went on bank night, yeah. they went on dish night. So there were premiums and draws to get people to go to the movies. Yeah. So a billion dollars. Uh, Let's see. So you have four thousand theaters and a billion dollars. Let's figure this out. Well, it's fifteen fifteen thousand theaters. Four thousand of them were playing bank night. Okay, so fifteen thousand theaters. So let's see here. A billion dollars. Right, well, let's let see me here. <laughs> fifteen we have 15, one, uh, one billion, right? Yeah, I was, I was trying to calculate. She broke the 50, one billion divided by 15,000. What would be the average receipt per theater? Hmm. Well, I'm trying to do that. Let me see. So, let me, I'm just calculating this out. Let's see, a billion, 15,000, 1,500, 100 million, 
15,000. 15, a million divided by 15. Comes out to about $6,700, Gosh, this can't be, well, I guess it could be 66500 a little bit more than that, about 66500 per theater for the year. Wow. So. Yeah, so they were knocking down over $1,000 a week. Yeah. Plus, plus. You know, and I, how much were they paying in 1936 to get into a theater? Fifteen cents. That's a lot of fifteen cents. Yeah. Especially I'm thinking over the Saturdays, you know, with the cartoons and mm -hmm. all those types of stuff. Yeah, but. and that was one of the notes that they had bank night usually on a Monday because yeah. that was the lowest night there. Let's see, okay, weekly theater attendance in 1936 was 81 million weekly. So I could backtrack and figure out how much they paid based on that. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, 1941, the population was 135 million, 130 million people. Uh-huh. That's a lot of people. So in the whole 81 place. million. Yeah. I, I guess some of them would go more than once. Did they, well, I don't know. How, how long was a movie, how long did a movie stay in maybe a town? A, maybe a week. They had one. In a theater, a first run, maybe once or twice a week, people would go. So, well, how long did the movie stay before they changed to a new film? Sometimes twice a week, sometimes one, once a week. Okay. Because you think about it, I don't know if you ever have sat down and looked at the chart to see the number of films the studios were producing, or just... Oh, good grief. They were cranking them out like they were chocolate chip cookies. Right. Unbelievable. Right. So I'm looking at 81 million as a weekly attendance. A lot of those people probably went twice. And back in those days, you know, what they did, they bicycled the movies. It was running one theater, then they would get over to, they would get down to another theater by biking it down to the next theater downtown. Yes, and I, as you were talking, I, my brain went boink mm -hmm. with some of the old newspapers that I have found online with information and ads and things like that that I've talked about on the show. A couple of them that I saw had ads for various movie houses. So different movie houses in a city had different, you know, they were playing different films. Mm -hmm. They weren't in competition with each other in the sense that they were running the same films. They were competing for the audience by showing different films. Um, but in, in places like Wistful Vista, they only got one movie to choose from. You went to the movie, yeah. or you didn't. I think I asked Frank Percy about Carolina, the theater, and I think he told me they, they changed it twice in a week. Twice in a week, yeah. okay, so it stayed for three or four days. Uh -huh. So that, that would be good. Yeah. 81 million attendances. They sold 81 million tickets in a week, but some of those tickets went to the same person more right. than once. Right. So, okay, so in, in 1936, they had 81 million a week attending, or 81 million tickets a week sold. And that is 10 million more than the year before. Yeah. So it was growing. In 1933, they had 54 million per week. In 1936, they were up to 81 million. That is a huge jump. 
makes you want to look at the percentages, you know, the number of percent of people going to the movies there, then going to the movies today. Uh-huh. Are, are, are we, we're probably not in the same numbers uh, in terms of percentages. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. I, uh, my guess is that we are way, way down because there are so many other things going on with I, television, which they did sure. not have, computers, which they did not have, computer games, which they did not have. People go out and uh, uh, hopping around on Saturday nights and sure. they didn't do that during the Depression. So. I was just amazed. I, you know, can, haven't gone to a movie in a while. I was just checking this week. It's a fundraising possibility how much it would cost to rent a theater. Mm-hmm. And when I called the, the-, the theater, I didn't realize ticket prices are now up to $11 a pop. For a movie? Yeah. I think that's cheap. I think they're more expensive around here. You know, and I think in I think in Manhattan, it's not in her to go for $20 a pop. You know, oh, easily. Yeah. I, I have to say easily. You know, the overhead in Manhattan is so extraordinary between, you know, the taxes and I, it, it's, it's incredible. So I guess twenty dollars is cheap. I don't have twenty dollars to pop on a movie, and I would just as soon sit here and watch The Thin Man uh-huh. on on the computer. So anyhow, I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Out of from five thousand theaters, he collected anywhere from five to fifty dollars a week, depending on the size of the theater. You know what? I'd be happy to collect. Five dollars from four thousand theaters. Boy, Maybe. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't charge him fifty dollars. I'd stick with it. You know, I mean, we were talking about usury uh-huh. the other day, yeah. or today. I don't, I don't recall, but we, I guess it was yesterday. Uh-huh. And that's pretty close. I'd be happy to take a buck per theater. Sure. Four thousand dollars a week. Sure. I'll support it with you, Patricia. Sure. In 1937, it went to five thousand. I know, but still. $1,000 a week is a lot of money. 2010, I would still be happy to support that. Thank you. Yeah. I have very simple needs, so I only need a little bit of it. Well, I want you to get it. I want you to be able to do fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I have always said it's not that I want anything. I really don't. I have such simple needs, and I've got, I think I told you I've got food, fun, and friends. I know. Who needs anything more than that? I know. But it would be so nice to be able to say no thank you. Would you like to buy a Cadillac? Well, I can, but no thank you. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the fun. I still wouldn't buy a Cadillac, and I wouldn't buy a big car, and I wouldn't buy a plane, and I wouldn't own a bus. I'd just sit here and be my little old self and say no thank you. Um, but if you want to send part of the five thousand dollars, that's okay. I'll go out to eat one night. Well, we'll take you out. Yeah, send send enough for the bunny bar. Bunny bar is very inexpensive. Yep. I know, but still, yeah, it is, I, which is quite amazing because you can get an awful lot of food there. That's true. But um, for anybody who's wondering, a bunny bar is a salad bar. You get bunny food at a salad bar. I like the bunny bar. I think we need to copyright that title. You think the bunny bar? Yeah, funny bar. That's good. <laughs> funny bar. We will copyright it. That's right. So, I am almost to the end of my notes here. I gave everybody, let's see, I've gone all travel. I gave you the list of new goodies. I've got lots of old goodies. Um, so, I, I know it's impossible for you to believe. It is just impossible. 
I think I ran out of things to talk about. You ready to go? You ready to call it a day? Sure. All right. So since it's since it's five thirty, maybe we'll. Uh, I don't know. It's up to you. What would you like to do about the the second show? It's up to you. If we can keep it for next week. We can play it tonight. Well, we can keep it for next week. All right. What we can do that. We can do that. You know. And that means. That means I need to get the theme up. And I have to say goodnight to everybody. And thank you so much for being with us and for listening to the interview with Johnny Western tonight. He was fabulous. I'm so glad he said yes and we had an opportunity to talk with him and meet him. Absolutely. It was nice. He did good, Patricia. Such a nice person. I mean, just a nice person. Visit YouTube. Johnny Western. Just put his name in there. That's his honest-to-goodness name. And it will come up. The end. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Have a wonderful week. You too. Thanks. And we love everybody out there, and we'll talk to you soon. The masquerade Just make your mind The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim You danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
that is that is just something to even uh, mm-hmm. 